0: Welcome once again to another episode of the Random Access Podcast, brought to you by RAPodcast.net. This is episode 218, recorded for Monday, August 22nd, 2011. And here are your hosts, the man who's been along for the ride for the past three times, Dave Play. Hello, hello. And the man who's gotten this episode done for the past three times, Andy Lowe, hi. And every time I'm quite impressed. <laughs> well... Not as impressed as I was last year, but this year was pretty cool.
1: Yep. So this is the annual PAX 10 episode.
0: Yes. Yay. Andy, what's the PAX 10? Well, it's basically a way of showcasing 10 indie developers at PAX. They get their own spot on the floor. Lots of press. Lots of eyeballs. Lots of hands touching controllers. Getting the game out. Yeah. So it's, it's the way of PAX giving props to indie developers. And this year, we were unfortunately only able to sit down with five yes. out of the ten. Yes. That said, those five are awesome and amazing. Well, they all are awesome. It's the one thing I've been loving about doing this, is just seeing people who are... Being an indie developer, you've got to have passions. So Absolutely. These, these people are all... They're friendly, they're saying, sure, no problem, if we have to reschedule, they have... These are like the nice people in the Midwest who give up a seat on a bus. (laughs) And I I think that's a a perfect intro then, so without further ado, the PAX-10. First one up, we have Adam Zombie Smasher. We have Adam Zombie Smasher, done by Blendo Games, and we have Brendan here to talk about it. Hello, Brendan. Hey, how are you guys doing? Doing good. So what is Adam Zombie Smasher?
2: Sure. Uh, Adam's Zombie Smasher is a third game from Blendo Games. Um, it's kind of a it's kind of a mix between an RTS game and a tower defense game. Um, so the setting is it's during the zombie apocalypse and zombies are currently rampaging across the country. And you kind of play this organization that's kind of a cross between the military and FEMA and Red Cross. And you have to uh, evacuate cities and rescue people out of them before they all get consumed by this zombie hordes. So uh,
1: okay, so if if I may start with the the questions, feel free. Sure. What prompted you to make such an incredibly painstakingly difficult game? <laughs> uh, I, you know I played. See, I played Adam Zombie Smasher before I knew it was in the PAX ten because it was in uh, during Steam's ridiculous summer sale. Yeah, it had been discounted, and so I'm like, yeah, why not pick it up? And I played it like, oh god, it hurts.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, I do get that a lot. Um, you know, I, I feel that I, I like to make games that are either not being made or are underrepresented. I kind of feel nowadays games kind of steer, they steer mainly toward making games very accessible, very, you know, user friendly, very um, kind of a, a very streamlined, easy experience f- for people. And I kind of wanted to keep all the user user friendliness and streamlined, but I wanted to kind of steer it toward the more this is incredibly challenging and it will take you a long time to beat it. Uh, yeah. Kind of- <laughs>
1: I like I, I like to think of myself as a pretty good player at a lot of games and that I can pick things up. I played the first level of this. I'm like, oh god, I rescued four people. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: like everyone
0: else is a zombie. Yeah.
2: Now, well,
0: do I'm, look time. at this. It has... Co-op version as well?
2: Yeah, so if you plug in a controller like a, you know, gamepad or something like that, you can have multiple people playing on the same screen at the same time. Oh, so it's only local multiplayer, not? Yeah, yeah, there's no online multiplayer. Oh, that,
1: hmm. hmm. Dave, I might have to go over there at some point and try it out. Well, Andy, you have about 2 weeks, remember? Yeah. So, <laughs> uh in other not news, but regarding the game, congratulations not only on the PAX 10 but be, but on being included in the Humble Indie Bundle.
2: Yeah, that was really awesome. I mean, the Humble Bundle guys are, you know, they work their butts off. They're really good guys, and uh, we were so happy to hear that they included our game in their little bundle.
1: Now, so they, Did they approach you, or did they just throw the game in, or what? And they can't um, just throw the game in there, you're, you'd
2: lose sales. <laughs> right. No. Um, yeah, so someone I'm working with who handles kind of the, the business and marketing end, he contacted them, and then, you know, for a couple of weeks or so we hashed out a deal where we were included in the bundle. Okay, and that's that's really cool. Yeah, yeah, it was really easy and it was really fast. Yeah, it was really great. Does so that
1: help sales and and just general knowledge of the game?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's the the forum at BlendoGames. dot com has just had like a million new people coming in, and it's it's great hearing from all these people who are like who kind of have the same reaction as you, is like this game is incredibly difficult, but uh,
0: this is a hard game. <laughs>
2: but but uh, that's a good thing. I'm happy with that.
0: All right, so my question, oh, I can actually get a question in. I'm looking at this. It says Windows, Macs, and Linux. How is there any difference in programming for all three of them? Or is it? were you able to program once and just kind of port it out to the three? Or how is or that working? Or it written in Java? <laughs> uh,
2: so the game is written in C Sharp. And C Sharp, um, you could either use a, a framework called .NET Framework to make it work on just Windows, or you could port it over to something called Mono. And when you use Mono, the game becomes portable to PC, Mac, and Linux uh, kind of for free. So it's kind of nice.
0: Oh, that makes it a lot easier then. <laughs> I I agree with that, yes. <laughs> so I'm looking, this is not your first game, because this is your third one, right?
2: Uh, this is the third game from Blendo Games. Yes, uh-huh. uh, the ones before were Flotilla and Air Forte, and before that, I made a game called uh, Gravity Bone. That was a free game I made.
0: So when did you uh, when did you start making games?
2: Oh boy, I think I first started doing game stuff when I was maybe sixth grade or so, and kind of just messing around with QBASIC and really making really really terrible text adventure games. And then moving on to Doom and Quake and things like that. So yeah, I've been doing this for for a good chunk of time by now.
1: How long did AZS take you to program, roughly?
2: Uh, Let's see. The first version. So yeah. So the first version I made maybe a couple years ago, like a really simplified version of this one, that took maybe a few months. And this current version you're playing now took about six months or so. It's Not bad. Uh yeah, but it was it was a it was a lot of work. But um, and and I did take a lot of uh, a lot of the work was from the previous version too. So it was kind of. All combined into one at the end. All
0: right. So, what does it mean when you say cities are procedurally generated?
2: Uh, yeah. So every time you go, every time you start a campaign, it generates this giant world map, and all the cities on the world map um, are kind of generated on the fly. So when you play the game, it'll be a completely different city layout and world layout than you know your neighbor, and so on and so forth. So, new no two, no two games are alike.
0: Ooh. Higher replayability, Andy. Yeah, but then it also doesn't help. You know, when I was playing um, Defense Grid, another tower defense game, some of those times you just needed to get the, the walkthroughs to try and help yes. yourself out. But yeah, but remember
1: the, the game is being steered towards the more difficult, accessible but difficult.
2: Right. A yeah, walkthrough
1: kind of defeats the purpose of that. Well,
2: I don't watch the walkthrough
0: the whole way through. <laughs> <laughs> I just figure out where to put all the towers. Not even <laughs> no, now. How have the, how's the mod community? been around the game.
2: It's cool, yeah. So the, adding the mod stuff was kind of something I... So so mods was something I grew up with when I was growing up to kind of learn about game development. So I thought, oh, it'll be kind of nice to throw that in. So I think maybe a couple of weeks before release, I whipped up a little mod interface and it's been really crazy what people make with it. Because I kind of made a lot of the parameters just you know really easy to use. You just tweak numbers up and down. But people have been able to make some really kind of weird stuff. Like um there's one that's kinda of, kinda of funny I thought was uh both the humans and the zombies are the exact same color. So you'll see occasionally some human run away from another human and then you realize, Oh no, that guy's a zombie <laughs> Then you start bombing them and you know, there's lots of collateral damage and you know, hilarity ensues. It's pretty cool. Oh that stuff. would that make cause it,
1: cause the it, game's not hard <laughs> enough already. Not knowing which <laughs> zombies are zombies would you know
2: Oh yes. yes. Yeah. How good yeah. are you
1: at this game by now?
2: Um well, you know, I made the game, so it's actually it's not very challenging for me. Really? So yeah, so I mean part of the reason why the game is so hard is because I like to make it reasonably fun for myself, which is a bad idea when you're the developer of the game. So then I'll I'll try to do as much playtesting as possible by going to friends' houses and seeing how they play it. And um but yeah, it is it is tuned a little bit more difficult than it should be probably. <laughs> But it's
1: right up your alley, so hey. As <laughs> this is why they ended up throwing in, you know, like medium, easy, hard, insane difficulties. Uh, probably, yeah, <laughs> yeah
2: I, I would agree with that. So
1: The developers have something to play, and everyone else has something to play. <laughs>
2: It's hard to tune a game when you're the developer. It's, uh, you have to kind of rely on other people to play it for you in front of you.
1: It is a very, very fun game, though.
2: Thank you. Thank you very much. I,
1: I, I have to say that.
0: All right, Brendan, uh, before we go, where would people be able to find the game?
2: Uh, BlendoGames.com. You can find it there. It's available on on our site and on Steam and uh, uh, Direct2Drive and other distributors also. All
0: right. Well, thank you very much for spending some time with us.
2: Thank you. That was a great talk.
0: Next, we have Mike and Tim to talk about Jamestown: Legend of the Lost Colony. Who wants to go first, Mike Uh, or Tim?
3: uh, We can go back and forth, but I'll kick it off if you want.
0: All right, Tim. What? uh, What is Jamestown? What is it?
3: (laughs) Okay. uh, Well, Jamestown is a uh, a top-down, vertically scrolling shooter. Uh, We call it a neoclassical shooter uh, because it's it's. I got a lot of old uh, classic arcade game. Tropes in it, but it's also got a lot of new stuff. It's uh, cooperative and it's set on 1600s British colonial Mars. Wait, wait, wait.
1: Uh, and okay, wait. Whoa, wait. <laughs> 1600s British colonial. <laughs> Ma- what?
3: Oh yeah, I tried to slip that one in. So yeah, it, yeah. it takes place. You play as Sir Walter Raleigh. Uh, you've just escaped from the Tower of London, and you travel to Mars uh, to escape from uh, from the kingdom that's trying to uh, get you back. And in doing so, you try to clear your name by uh, figuring out what happened to the lost colony of Roanoke on Mars. It's a classic story.
1: Yeah, absolutely, classic. Oh, a- okay. And and
4: historical.
3: Oh yeah. <laughs> Google it. Well, yeah, I, I can Google <laughs> Roanoke. I,
0: don't, I can Google <laughs> Mars, but Mars and Roanoke. So now, yeah, okay. The, so it's a vertical. Google. Doesn't tend to reser, return a lot of results for that.
5: <laughs> Weird.
0: So it's a vertical shooter. Are we talking 1942, or are we talking more? Um, the one i can't pronounce Gal- galaga galaga yes
3: uh yeah it's more like 1942 um that is just a background that you're you're moving through a world uh, we spent a lot of our resources uh creating uh what i think is a pretty exciting and interesting looking world of this alternate history alternate future uh mars um steampunk mars i guess you could call it historical steampunk it's mars classic doom with a little bit of steampunk <laughs> sure yeah it's it's uh, its own <laughs> special thing i'd say uh, but yeah, we we um we have backgrounds that you scroll through, and there's a world, and there's scenes where red coats are running around on the ground while you blow up Martian tentacled creatures, and yeah, it's it's uh it's a lot more in the li- in the vein of um of something like 1942 than Galaga, which is much more abstract, uh, just you know black screen and enemies that swoop down yeah. on you.
1: So yeah. it, go ahead. Dave. Would you classify this as? I, I'm looking at some of the screenshots and I watched the demo. Are you are you classifying this as Bullet Hell?
3: Uh, well. There's a
1: lot of bullets on the screen.
3: Well, so one of the big things we tried to do in our game was to uh, make it accessible to people who don't necessarily who are like you know intimidated by the sink or swim mentality of most uh, shoot 'em up games. So uh, when you start the game, uh, you you can play on one of the five difficulty levels. You usually start on normal, which is the first one. Uh, and it's really not much of a bullet hell game compared to what people conceive of it as. And over the course of playing the different levels, your skills increase and you work your way up to the higher difficulties. And certainly by the top two difficulties and probably even some of the sections of the third one, uh, you you really are in a, a bullet hell game.
0: Hmm. Now, what I'm so curious about is the, the co-op feature. You, I was looking in the, the trailer and it said that each ship has a different purpose. Is that- yeah. So is there, like, almost an RPG element to the co-op, or...?
3: Well, I wouldn't say an RPG element. People can choose the same ships and play together. It's much more that uh, when you're playing a co-op game, the different ships have different strengths and weaknesses. One of them shoots uh, a big spread shot that's very good for hitting lots of enemies, but also has a focus beam that does a lot of damage directly in front of it, whereas one of the other ships can point in any direction uh, arbitrarily and just aim their gun in any direction. So the um, the ships will have different strengths some do more damage some uh, kill more enemies at once some ha- one has an area of effect around itself that does sort of melee damage so against any given set of enemies or specific enemy uh, one ship or another will be uh, more ideal for taking on that challenge and so that player often when we play the game uh, that one player will be oh I'm the charge ball let me shoot uh, this enormous super orb at that very large enemy and take it down in seconds as opposed to the guy who does spread shot who would take uh, almost three times longer to kill it. So uh, players uh, capitalize on each other's strengths uh, and rely on their friends to uh, get around their weaknesses. Now
0: this is on the PC, right?
3: Yeah. Is Are there it... plans to migrate this to other platforms? I wouldn't say plans but uh, hopes and aspirations. You know, We'd like <laughs> to get the game onto as many platforms as possible. Uh, just because it's, you know, it's a fun game. We think it could thrive on a number of different platforms. We just have to make yeah. sure that we can uh, afford the time and resources, uh, to not only get it onto those platforms, but do it well enough that it's the same kind of quality experience that we think it is on the PC.
0: Now, all right. is the co-op, is it local co-op or are we talking over a network co-op?
3: It's local co-op. Uh, so you can plug in any number of keyboards or mice or joysticks and, uh, you can all play, uh on the same machine together
0: oh i never thought of plugging in multiple keyboards
3: not a lot of games support it but we wanted to make it uh as 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 easy as possible to get going so the way that we do keyboard and mouse and joystick binding the way that you know you can hot plug more more devices of any type in was all there to facilitate it and to make it something that's uh very straightforward to get working as opposed to a lot of games where you have to go into a menu and configure well player one's going to be a Keyboard and uh, player two is going to be a joystick. And here's what all the button bindings are. It, it, we tried to make that very smooth, and you don't have to go to like the option screen to do that. You just join in the game and hold down a button on a controller, and it just binds in. So yeah, cool.
0: That's really neat. Now, uh, Mike, yes, would you? <laughs> <laughs> He's still here. Now I, I was noticing here. this. Um, you and Tim have the same last name. Are you related somehow?
1: Yes. Uh, Tim is two years younger than me. Um, and we are brothers, so that 's the connection uh, we 've been you know making games together since we were kids and uh, and we actually work professionally together a little bit as well in the in california and After kind of going our separate ways for a few years, we decided to go for broke uh, and together with our friend hal
0: uh, start a little studio. Sorry, I'm just now thinking of the Dave and the Hal jokes again. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, See, <laughs> so we couldn't be here, but yeah. Oh, well. We got two out of three. We got the All majority.
1: Right. We're good. So, <laughs> uh, okay, so we ask, We tend to ask this of most of the people who come on for this episode. What language did you write this in and why, very briefly?
3: Okay, briefly as I can, we briefly. wrote it in two, two different languages. Uh, we wrote it in C and Lua. We wrote it in C because we find that for uh, writing core reusable systems, C is a efficient language to write it in. And it allows us to uh, express gameplay much more freely by optimizing that inner loop of uh, core systems. And then we use Lua for scripting all of the gameplay code. All the enemies, all the ships, all the uh, everything.
6: Menus. Uh,
3: that's really menus. All the game game, not the reusable systems, but the actual game itself, is written in uh, in, Lua Lua, in Lua script, exactly. And uh, we did that because it's incredibly quick to express uh, the gameplay and also quick to iterate because there's no compile time. Cool. That was as concise as I've ever said that. No, so. it was good. Yeah. I'm
0: impressed, Tim. Usually that's, that's, that's very well done. Very fast. Thanks. All right. Andy, do you have anything else? Well, I was just curious how it... Um, I see you guys are in Philly, according to your trailer first mm-hmm. yes. place of this nation. How Indeed. how is it not being cuz you think of video game companies, you think either Boston, like Boston, Carolina, Seattle. Yeah, Boston, Chicago a little bit, Seattle,
3: LA. How is yeah, it Austin? Though? There's a bunch, yeah.
0: How so is how it is not it being not in one of those?
3: <laughs> Uh well, it's uh it's different. I mean, we used to we used to live uh out in uh California for a while, for about 5 years. Uh I was there, Mike was there for 7 uh, and it was very different there. Uh, I think there's a much more tr- mature um, game development scene out in uh, San Francisco, for instance, and, of course, in the other places you mentioned. But at the same time, Philadelphia has a uh, a very tight-knit uh, and supportive indie game scene. Uh, and, yeah, we all meet up for beers once a month and uh, share our games and bring each other in for playtests and give each other ideas. So... Uh, from a support network, while we may be very few people numerically, uh, you know we all know everyone and we all see everyone. So while we might not have the, the same numbers that say San Francisco has, the participation rates are a really high percent.
1: Yeah, it feels like a real community, uh, a real tight knit community, I should say, um, in a way that those other that certainly that San Francisco didn't never quite felt like for me. So. Also, the sandwiches out here are,
3: are definitely better.
0: Oh yeah, you got <laughs> God, cheese would, steaks. Oh. Yeah, where do you guys go for cheese steaks? Just curious.
3: We actually go to a place uh, for we don't tend to get eat actually eat a lot of cheese steaks, but we go to Primo Hoagies to get just uh, sort of hoagies, which are I guess called in less civilized lands uh, uh, sub Sons. sandwiches and uh, grinders. I think in Boston, I forget.
1: Yeah. All right. Oh, go ahead, Mike.
0: No, no, that, that's
1: it. <laughs> I, I, I was going to point out that we do have to call it. Yep. But, guys, Our, thank you
0: very much for your time. Yeah, um, thank
1: you guys so much. Congratulations on making it to the PAX 10. Thank you. Where
3: that's can
0: awesome. people find your game?
3: Uh, they can go to jamestown.game.com or just look it up on Steam. You can download it, I believe, for $10 off of Steam. And it uh, should be a lot of fun.
0: All right, guys, cool. thanks for your time.
3: Thank you. Bye-bye.
0: And our next interview of the PAX 10, we have Peter here to talk to us about Snapshot. Hello, Peter. Hello. All right. First question always is, what is is? Snapshot?
6: What is Snapshot? It's a question I get a lot. Um, Snapshot is a puzzle platformer with a photography mechanic that lets you take pictures of the world around you and absorb certain objects into the photographs. So that way, later on in the game, when, let's say, there's a ledge that's too high and in your inventory you have a picture of a box, you can take that picture, paste it back into the world, and any object that you caught falls back out. So it's kind of like, if you think about Mario, just being able to move uh, certain objects around and store them and uh, use them as
0: necessary. So kind of like Mario and Pokemon, but not Pokeballs, but cameras. Cameras. Uh, yeah, yeah, sure. Hmm, that is a really... In- How did you come up with this idea? Um,
6: it's actually a funny story. I came up with it um, a long time ago now. Jeez. Uh, I had a dream... And in that dream a monster was chasing me and for whatever reason I had a camera on me and at the last possible moment I snapped a picture and the monster was gone and I had a picture of it and when I woke up I I woke up like really early in the morning right after I had that and and I carry a book around to jot ideas down and immediately it translated to a really awesome game mechanic and i i jotted it down and then just a couple hours later i brought that idea to uh kyle pulver one of the three partners on the game and it was then that we kind of started hashing out what what his snapshot today
0: so you say you have uh three people working on this uh that's correct who are they it uh, started off with
6: Kyle Pulver and myself. Um, Kyle is known for uh, Bonesaw the Game, and uh, he also did uh, Depict One, which you can download on our website, um, or play on our website, I'm sorry. Um, and then later on, we partnered with David Carrig, and he has worked at um, a couple other... MMO companies, including Cheyenne Mountain Entertainment, uh, who was working on Stargate. Um, And we are all from the same school, same university, Clarkson University.
0: Cool. Do you need to get that? No, no, no. no. (laughs)
6: I'm just trying to find a room where it's not ringing.
1: (laughs) So did you all meet at the school, or did you meet later or know each other beforehand?
6: Um, yeah, we actually were all good friends throughout uh, most of our time there. Um, Kyle and I were the same major at Clarkson, and which was uh, digital arts and sciences, and Dave was a computer engineer <clears throat> uh, at Clarkson, and he was a year above us, but we were all in the same clubs together, we had a lot of the same classes, and we had actually worked on projects together prior to working on Snapshot, so... Good friends.
0: I see. So um, what is the game written in?
6: Um, The game is, at its core, it's C++. Um, It's our own engine, the Ray engine, and Dave has written it uh, from the ground up. Um, We also use uh, Lewis scripting as well for um, more custom objects in the game, but the core of it is C++.
0: So is it is it weird to be using a custom-made engine, or no? Um, I, 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 It's been great, actually. It, it's
6: taken us a decent amount uh, longer because we decided to develop an engine from scratch. But that was a decision that we consciously made, and we knew that it was going to take longer from the beginning. Um, but we made that decision with the hopes that we'd be able to take that engine... And instead of starting from scratch in a second game, be able to use that uh, engine for our second game and, and save uh, a lot of time. That production
1: time. Right. Early investment, as it were. Exactly. I see. So how how long does this game take, roughly, to play? Um, It, it sort of depends on the skill level. We...
6: Um, we have a main arc that we really tried to make uh, approachable for most gamers. Um, so, if if you can play a Mario game, then we we tried to make it so that you could also play Snapshot. Um, and then, in addition, we have a lot of uh, extra goals and extra content uh, secondary to the main arc that is extremely challenging for for more hardcore gamers, so um, we haven't, I don't think we have enough, it's not solid enough yet that we have an exact playtime, I would estimate, um, well here, here's what I'll tell you, we have four chapters, um, and in those chapters we're going to have uh, about seven, seven to nine levels, and then within each level are three areas, and an area can take anywhere from one minute to, uh, depending on how challenging it is, and if, if you're stumped, it could take, you know, 10 minutes per area or 15 minutes per area. So um, if you kind of do quick math, you can kind of get an idea, a rough estimate as to how long how long it should take.
0: Now, I remember hearing about this back in 2009, I think, at GDC. Yep, yep. What has changed um, in that long stretch (laughs) of time? Two years. Yeah,
6: I mean, uh, I'm jumping around a little bit in our history. If you kind of take a step back, uh, I said that I had come up with the idea during my senior year in college. um, And then that's when Kyle and I began working on the prototype for Snapshot. And the prototype actually ended up being recognized at the Independent Games Festival in 2009, and that's where you remember it, uh, during GDC. But since then, and since the IGF, we, that's when we went back to the drawing board. Uh, we, we partnered with Dave, and we started from scratch, and we took the concept of snapshot as it was in the prototype, and we began making the snapshot that you, you've seen today and that you can see on our, our website at packs. 10 this next week
0: god next week crazy
1: i know
6: <laughs> yeah we're we're like
1: scrambling it, yeah <laughs> trying to rush to put on final touches Right, right
0: now how excited were you to find out after have you been applying a different indie stuff since 2009 and finally got something with Ten, or did you just kind of get gdc back then and then
6: um we we managed to get the igf nomination and then immediately after that we kind of wanted to drop off the grid a little bit uh while we worked on our our new snapshot because we knew that um we didn't we didn't want the old and new to be confused at all so we wanted to maybe hopefully bring it back uh you know keep it off the grid and when people see it again, they just remember the idea, and they thought remember the cool idea of it, and they aren't confused, like, hey, is this game ripping off that other game? So we had been applying to other festivals, but it was really, really early on, and we were working on the engine. So um, just more recently, like, we were in PAX East, have we started uh, appearing in other festivals once again.
0: Now, how is the uh, indie game community up in the northeast because i know boston was it seems to be a hotbed of this sort of stuff
6: yeah boston has a a wonderful community um we're about an hour and a half north of boston so we can't make it down as much as maybe we'd like to um but there it's it's a great community i've i've lived in san francisco and uh phoenix which actually had a decent-sized community. I'm not sure how thriving it is now, Um, but it definitely comparable to both of those cities um, as well as uh, Montreal, too. It's
0: kind of fun. There's a couple of the PAX 10 from this year who are from Montreal.
6: Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah, we make it... I've made it up to Montreal's uh, industry events just as much as Boston's, We're we're about three hours away from montreal so well
0: peter i'd like to thank you for uh giving us a few minutes of your time especially the week before pax uh, no problem hopefully had calmed you down not as much chicken with head cut off
1: yeah yeah we we still uh I mean, have a you, decent amount of work to do so yep. <laughs> you guys have already gotten this far i mean that's that's pretty impressive so
6: yeah, I know, and, and it's great now because we, you know, we've been working on this project in general for a few years now, but but the finish line is definitely within sight and it's approaching really fast. So we have our work cut out for us, which is great, but it's just a matter of getting all that work done. <laughs> all right.
0: All right, Peter. Before you go, where could people find you online? Uh, you can learn
6: more about snapshot and our company at retroeffect.com that's r e t r o a f f e c t not e it's an a
0: Ah, uh, the classic effect versus affect. uh yep
6: <laughs>
0: and we actually also
6: just put t-shirts on sale so go go and get your snapshot t-shirts online the at yes. the company yeah really It's it's more it's just as much getting a a t-shirt as it is Uh, supporting our last stretch of development and all the costs that are associated with it
0: (laughs) all right peter thanks again thank you and here we are with our next pairing from the pax 10 we have neve and sagi from israel with splatters good evening since uh time difference hi good evening so what is splatters
5: Well, Splatters is a physics-based kind of puzzle slash action game. You play the Splatters, which are uh, uh, creatures made of goo. They have a very short life expectancy. So uh, what they really like to do is just blow themselves up. And when they blow themselves up, the liquid starts pouring out. And if the liquid gets on the bombs, they explode. So the main objective of the game is kind of like clearing out all the bombs in each level. But the real fun is just doing it with style. So you can fling them around the level, use the slides, you can slam from midair, or you can just crash into the spikes and uh, all these kind of things give you special stunt icons and then you get combos going on and it's really the better you are it gets more intensive and more uh, uh, spectacular show that you can make with your uh, splatter group so yeah I,
1: I'm, I'm looking at the screenshots and I, I watched the the YouTube clips they seem very happy to be exploding
5: well yes they don't know any other you know they don't so that, that's just their existence exactly that's their entire existence is live for a very short life and then blow up with style okay andy i think this is a game you'd enjoy
0: i i do like my puzzle games
1: now like the puzzle games and you like the games where you can chain things together a la need for speed
0: yeah true so this i have where did you come up with this idea (laughs) so do you
7: want to take that It's really, you know, we've been uh, best friends since the age of uh, 13. Actually, we both uh, grew up at the same place and hang out a lot together. And when we decided to, you know, start thinking about the game, we just continue what we did always. We just sat together and, you know, talk about it, see what we can do here. And, you know, it just evolved one step at a time. And uh, we took everything that we can do because we didn't want to go with, you know, high productions and uh, a, a lot of creating a lot of assets that will take so much time out of our hands. So we just focus on stuff that we knew that we can do in a short. It's not short. It took about three years, but uh, reasonable for our, uh, like for two guys working on it. And we just, Talked about what we can do, and just it just evolved from there.
5: We started with I have a lot of experience doing
7: physics-based simulations, so and I kind of
5: like I know almost every other physics-based game out there, and I thought that I can make something really interesting with with elastic physics and liquid physics that kind of never has been done before in uh, in terms of gameplay. So we kind of started with that in mind. We knew we wanted to have everything in one screen, not not to have like a scrolling screen or everything, anything like that. So we started building up a very simple um, like arena with with creatures in it and different mechanics to throw them and slam them on either side and have them explode. But it really took, like Sagi like said, a lot of iterations to really find where the fun is, where the game, where the challenge is. And then uh, I think we come up with something that's really, really nice and can last a long time.
0: Now, speaking of iterations, I uh, remember seeing this actually at... Was it GDC that I saw this from, uh, under yeah. a different name?
7: Yeah.
0: We uh, Confetti yeah. Carnival, if I remember correctly? Carnival. Yeah, yeah. Where did that name come from, <laughs> and why did you decide to change?
5: Well, um, Confetti Carnival is a name we kind of like made up in a hurry uh, when we applied our game. I don't remember which contest that was when we applied it. I think we didn't even get it, but uh, we had to pick a name. And at the time we, I mean the bombs that explode in the game, they kind of explode into confetti. So that's the confetti part of it. And the carnival is just the general theme. We we like the ring of it, and we like that it starts with a, both words, starts with the letter C. We didn't have a really good reason for that name, which is part of the reason why we eventually changed it. We wanted something that kind of tells more about the game and brings more of the characters that are in the game. Uh, also, that the title kind of reflects it. So um, that's the main reason. We also got a lot of people and like fellow developers and stuff like that saying that name is eh, maybe not the best choice for the game and even though we've kind of grown to like it at the time we we decided to change okay sounds like a good reason yeah now
0: as we brought up in the beginning you guys are based out of Israel I was not expecting that to be a gaming community how is the developer community in the country or is it just mainly connecting with all the other developers online
5: well there is there is a developer community for games also here in Israel it's not very developed i mean there's not there's not a lot of recognized uh, you know production or studios uh, that's coming out of Israel but it's really growing there's a lot of people wanting to get in um, but there's a very uh, very good base for it actually in Israel because there's a lot of other, you know, technology development, software engineers, very talented people. Also in these in the art side of things. Um, so yeah, we, we, we're in touch also with Israeli developers, but also a lot of developers outside of Israel. It doesn't really matter these days, you know. It's it's all online. It's basically yes. what you're saying. Yeah.
0: Now this, uh, I think this is actually the only game on the PAX Ten that's uh, based off of the uh, Xbox. But don't quote me on that one. How is it uh, developing for the Xbox versus developing for some other platform?
5: Um, it's. I mean, until that point, I'll, I always developed on uh, on a Windows uh, platform. So going to Xbox on some aspects was fairly similar because they're both kind of Microsoft based, but uh, a lot of different aspects it's it's more or more challenging so that's kind of like what I've been I've been doing for the last couple of months is kind of porting the game to the Xbox and uh, integrating with the Xbox services and that kind of stuff it's it's a challenge I mean especially for a small team that's why we're also adding another member to our team kind of to help finish with the Xbox port um, it's 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 something that you should you know think about seriously before you go into it's not it's not that easy uh, to do, but it's it's very interesting. It's interesting yeah. Now it
1: it's listed on the PAX ten page as being PC, so I assume it's been
5: released for PC prior. No, it hasn't been released yet. Or, we'll release it uh, when we applied for the PAX. We didn't know that the deal with Microsoft was done yet, so okay. we wrote PC. So um, is that
1: going to be standalone, or were you planning on Steam or some other digital distribution?
5: Yeah. So first, it will go on to Xbox Live Arcade. And then a few months later, hopefully uh, just a few, um, it will be on Steam and probably other services and also uh, direct through our website.
0: Cool. Yeah. So, okay. I'm just curious about this. How hard is it to program for, because yeah, everybody talks about like ragdoll physics, physics this, physics that. It's, I just don't understand the programming behind physics. Can you try and explain that to me? <laughs>
5: How much time do we have? <laughs> About 30 seconds. About 30 seconds. Well, the, the, the idea with all physics-based simulations is that you, you kind of decide what your core element is. Um, in a, in Ragdoll, it can be like a, a limb, you know, a part of the hand or a part of the arm, that kind of thing. And, and then you calculate all the forces that... The physical forces that apply on that basic element and you can connect different elements together. Um, and then you calculate all the forces that comes from the joints or come from collision with the environment or comes from wind or whatever. And then you accumulate all these forces into the elements. And then there's a way that's kind of like a mathematical way of uh, propagating those forces and you know, calculating the accelerations and then the velocities and then the change in position for each of the elements. And that's basically what you need to do for each frame of the game or simulation that you're doing. It's kind of like gather all the forces again according to the current place where everything is at, and then propagate just a tiny bit, kind of like stepping forward in time, a tiny bit of amount, and then stuff slightly change in position. You draw that new position, and then you start over the cycle again.
0: So a lot of algebraic and calculus equations using force and mass and all that stuff.
5: Yeah, pretty much. But <laughs> the thing is, this, is the, you know, the CPU eventually does all the hard work. So. Okay. Yeah. Well, Dave, you have any other questions? I'm pretty good. Uh, it's expected to come out next year? Yes, next year, hopefully in the first half, something like that. We, we don't want to say anything right now because we're not kind of... You know, right, and it's and, going to be
1: on the, the Xbox Live Arcade, not the indie section, correct? That's correct
0: all right well uh before we go uh where can people find you online Um,
7: yeah we have uh, our website just go to spikysnail.com you can find us on facebook if you type in uh, the splatters or the splatters game you will find us uh twitter of course everything is connected but from our website you will see all the information there if you go so spikysnail.com
0: all right well thank you guys very much for uh spending a few minutes with us okay thank you no problem thank you and here we are with the final interview for the pax 10 rounding out the alphabet list is word fighter and we've got gian here to talk about it hello Guion.
4: hey how's it going thanks for uh, having me guys so what is word fighter um so word fighter is a game that's coming out on ios and android so ios is ipad iphone ipod touch Um, And essentially, it is um, it's a word game, a competitive word game that's wrapped around a fighting game. So, if you like anything like Scrabble or Boggle, and if you like beating up your friends with you know with anything like uh, if you like um, anything like Street Fighter as well, you know, um, we're essentially mashing those two things together and letting you guys sort of outwit each other by seeing who can spell the most words in the fast amount of time.
0: Now. My question is, though, I've always wondered this about games that involve words, kind of like uh, bookworm adventures, that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Where do you get your dictionary?
4: <laughs> um, really, um, right now, we chose um, I believe, an open source dictionary. really, like you get to sort of just pick, I guess, you know, um, and I don't know whether or not like um, using a Webster's or something of that nature would cost a licensing fee. But um, really, um, my my business partner Chris, he's a developer for the game, and he I, I just put it in his hands. I'm like, just use use whatever like standard Scrabble and or like you know word game dictionary you find, and he found an open source one that that worked for us, and that's what we used. So um, the main thing is though, if people start complaining about you know certain words not being in there, then we will give it like a hard look and make sure that before we launch. Um, we have a very proper dictionary to use, but i 'm um, really it's it 's more of like you get to choose the dictionary it is, and if there's like you know a resource file available, you just plug it in so
0: now, now did you plan on programming this for iOS first and then porting it to Android or other way around
4: or both at the same time um, for the most part we are' um, we're an ios focused team uh, our the first game that we we made um, we re- we launched last year, and it was for iOS. And so this is actually going to be our first foray into Android. So we're most definitely um, sort of focusing on iOS first, and then we are porting uh, what we're able to make over to Android. Um, I guess more specifically, the iPhone version of the of the game is what we're porting to Android. We uh, I think we've made a decision not to, to support fully um, Android tablets yet. Just because um, you know the numbers aren't there, and also there's just a lot of them. <laughs> right. So uh, we we're promising at least you know I Android phones um, and and the, the current gen of Android phones is what we're, we'll be supporting.
0: Okay.
1: Now our I mean as as far as Android, what's the are you planning on a simultaneous release for iOS and Android? I'm, your release date is fall of
4: 2011. So stu- coming yeah, so up fall So fall 2011 is our release date. Yes, it is. Um, in a few months, I guess um, we um, it all depends on the resources right now. We, and we actually were we're even sort of actively looking for Android, um, other Android developers that we can potentially contract as well. I, this is me being you know very transparent with you guys. But um, uh, if we can find the resources available, we will launch simultaneously in the fall. Um, if not, um, we know for sure that we can launch on iOS uh, in the fall, and then Android will follow. Probably no, late, no more than two months after, and so um, it really just depends on the timeline and if we're lucky enough to find more resources to help us out, you know, because um, the team is only uh, five strong for Award Fighter. Uh, I am the designer, game designer, and user interface designer. There's one developer, so one guy who does all the, all the coding, which is my uh, business partner Chris, and then we have two artists and one uh, composer. And so right now all the burden in regards to like porting really for the most part is, is on, the, on the hands of um, Chris, the our one developer. Um, and so you know, we, we get help here and there from, from other dev friends, but if we have a more dedicated uh, resource that we can allocate, then, then you, we can guarantee an Android release at the same time.
0: Now, okay, how did you uh, how did you and Chris start this whole
4: thing? Because I know you said that you did a game a year ago. When did you uh, start? Oh, uh, yeah, so um, Chris and I are old college friends. And um, and we, back in, I think, I'd say 2009, um, is when we just sort of, you know, I think that's when we started having our iPhones and we were, like, obsessed over it. And we just sort of talked about how cool it would be if we just worked together on something. And we released our own product. I mean, we we heard all this the the awesome success stories of people, you know, out of their garages, you know, and they're making lots of money just from releasing a fun little game on in the you know iTunes App Store. And we were like, why can't that be us? Um, so um, he actually decided to learn Objective C from scratch. You know, he wasn't much of a programmer, but he just sort of decided to teach himself. Um, and I I am a web designer by trade, so I used to work for. For AOL uh, back in 2009, and then 2010 is when we decided to leave our jobs and do this for real. And so uh, we launched our first game um, late spring, I believe, or early summer uh, 2010. Uh, it's a game called Bongo Blitz, which is a music game for the iPhone. Uh, and then you know now you now we have our second game sort of lined up, lined up, and it's gonna come out soon. Now I just saw
0: in the recent trailer you had posted that you were actually bringing in. Well-known
4: authors. Yes. <laughs> uh, uh, did you want? How, how <laughs> many? Ahead. How many do you have planned? Yeah. So um, we have for launch, which is again like um, when we launch in in the fall, we're gonna have six playable characters in this in in this word game, and and we're launching um, with a focus on the multiplayer mode. With a focus on the multiplayer. And sorry, I, sorry, I had to pause. I was I was hearing myself echo. So I don't know if you can edit that out, but I um, yeah, will do. Okay. And um, sorry, I forgot. I lost my train of thought. Um, oh, uh, so
0: six playable characters at launch?
4: Yes. So there will be six playable characters at launch, um, but we do plan on adding more, and um, and you know, it all depends on sort of the demand for the game, and really, sort of what we learned as being a small team. You know, uh, we keep the scope of the actual project narrow, and so the most we could do with the resource and the time that we have is uh, a roster of six characters. And uh, we definitely feel like it's a very solid um, and pretty balanced roster. Um, and like you mentioned before, they're sort of themed after um, authors that a lot of us have read. Um, and essentially, um, right now, we've announced so far Edgar, Agatha, and Jane. Um, and really, to sort of describe them best, they, um, they are like uh, their personifications of the literary works created by these authors, so Edgar is not actually Edgar Allan Poe per se because he doesn't. Edgar Allan Poe doesn't look like that, and he would never wear like you know feathers on his suit and have like pet crows on his shoulders or anything. Um, but essentially, sort of the the character that we've created is is sort of what the mood and and feeling and characters of the the works that they've created sort of embodied into a sort of like a superhero or a fighter that you can play.
1: So do all of the characters have signature
4: moves or differences beyond just their graphics? Yeah. Um, every character has a unique set of powers and essentially these powers come at, um, these powers come into like, they look like a little bookmark. Uh, they show up in a little bookmark area on the, on the interface. Um, and they look like power gems. And um, at any time during the match, you can tap on a power gem to activate its power. And um, they vary from like multiplying your attack, like uh, you know times two, double damage, times three, triple, triple damage, to doing things that affect the board. So you can um, hit a scramble power that um, changes all of the letters and gives you a brand new board um, to play with and find words with. And um, even stuff as far as like affecting the, your other player. So there's another power called reverse speller that when you use that and you throw the poison at the other character, they're forced to spell all of their words backwards for the next ten seconds. Oh God. Oh yeah. <laughs> so Butch. there's there's different things like that and, and sort of this is this is sort of the area of the game that really make it so much more than just a word game and even like um, we we love our board games, but this is the kind of board game that you can never play in real life because those are these are these powers aren't rules that you can enforce on someone, you know. But in a video game, it's perfect, especially on a touch interface. And so, every character is going to have a unique set of three, um, and a lot of them will share similar powers, but the, the particular set will only pertain to them. And you have to, and that's how you can sort of judge between what ca- what powers characters have and what you decide your playstyle to be to be. If you want to be aggressive, there's a character where you can be very aggressive. And when you want to be very sneaky and tactical, there's a character made for that as well.
0: I don't know if I would choose that though cuz it's I would have I have a favorite author and so I would have <laughs> yeah. a favorite genre. But what yeah. happens to that genre? Your powers that do now. not.
4: Um, I don't know, it really sort of depends obviously like if you have a favorite like you 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 might lo- like I say like if if Agatha Christie is your favorite, you're going to learn how to hopefully use her powers since you want to play as her. But um, we tried to make it um, as as appropriate to the character that we've created for them. And so to give you an example, um, with the two female characters we have in our game right now, um, Jane is um, we describe her as the, a princess who doesn't need saving. So this like, very beautiful girl, but she can kick your ass at any time. You know? She's ready to throw down whenever she needs to. So she's actually the strongest physically the strongest person in our roster. And so she's the only one with triple damage as an attack multiplier. Um, everyone else has maybe double damage and some other sort of additional effects, but she's the only one with triple damage. Um, and, and, but she doesn't have anything that sort of affects the other player. She's purely like sort of brute force, you know? Um, Agatha, on the other hand, we, we, we describe her as essentially the smartest person on our roster. And so she sort of, she sort of tries to outwit you um, instead of trying to outpower you. And so her, her powers are more along the lines of affecting the, your, your opponent versus affecting um, her own strengths. So, like, you know, she's the, one, she's the only one in the game with reverse speller. And there's another power that she has, I believe we're calling it upside down. Where if she throws that power at you, all of the letters on your board for ten seconds get flipped upside down, so you have to read everything, you know, from the other side. Oh,
1: uh, on on that one, I mean, it's a phone. Generally, I mean, you're you're <laughs> yeah, yeah. very. So if you want to, device. you can you can then flip you your phone quit. upside down, but. It's,
4: it's, Essentially, it's affecting like it's delaying your play of the game. It's 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 changing the way you have to play the game because of the powers that she's using. And the main thing to remember with Agatha, she doesn't have any attack multiplier uh, multipliers on her on her power set. So it's like, do you want to be aggressive or do you want to be tactical? You know, and it's a give and take. And all the characters have their own sort of flares with that. See if you flip the letters around. Now there's something. (laughs) We we had another power in mind before. I think we called it like nausea we were just going to okay. when you got poisoned, we were just going to randomly twist all and spin like, you know, different <laughs> characters on the board just just to completely like mess you up. But um oh. we decided not to do that. I think it was a little too overpowered.
0: So. <laughs> well, I cannot wait for this game to come
1: out. Uh,
4: yeah, I'm really excited for this. Um, no, happy to, get to yeah. a point. I'm sorry. Say that one more time. Have you decided on a price point? We have not. Um, we what we can what we can at least say is that we plan on launching. Um, when it comes to iOS, something that I that I hate the most is when I like a game and I buy it on the iPhone and then I have to buy it again on you know in HD for the iPad. So universal is always a good option. But what people don't realize, um, especially on the developer side, you know, consumers don't realize that like releasing only a universal app. Is sort of shooting yourself in the foot as a developer because you're asking people to play to to pay one price for for something that you work twice the time on because you have to make an iPhone version and an iPad version. Um, so what we're planning to do our sort of solution is we're going to price uh, we're going to launch a universal version you know at one price point and then we're also going to launch an iPhone only version at a much cheaper price point and then um, also alongside that the iPhone version will also have um, a paid and also a completely free version, and the free the free version is going to be like Words with Friends, where it's fully featured, but you're just going to have to look at ads at the end of every turn or every round. So, okay, that's the plan so far.
1: All right. Well, this sounds amazing. I cannot wait for it to be released.
4: Best of luck. And, oh, thank um, you yeah, and uh,
0: where can people find you
4: online? Yeah. So um, our company um, is, has a very unorthodox uh, name. Uh, it's Feel Every Yummy. So if you go to feeleveryyummy.com, you'll find us and all the stuff on Wordfighter. That's a hard thing to remember. So basically, just Google Wordfighter, and you'll find us. I like it. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you very
0: much. Oh, thanks, guys. All right. And so that was the PAX Well, five of the PAX 10. We had first Adam Zombie Smasher, Jamestown Legend of the Lost Colony, Snapshot, The Splatters and Word Fighter. So, of those five, Andy. Yes.
1: Which are you most looking forward to playing?
0: I am really interested to see the plat. Because platformers are always fun. I grew up with Ratchet and Clank and uh, Jack and Daxter, Mario, that sort of stuff. So, Snapshot seems really interesting to me. Because that ability to take pictures and use that as a mechanic? Yeah. But I do have to say, I want to beat your ass in Word Fighter at some point.
1: Oh, you, yeah, I, I fully expect that you will until I hand the phone over to my dad and let him beat the shit out of you.
0: Yeah, let's note to self, get that while he is... You have
1: to remember, right now I'm living in a house with two English majors. Yes, so but... Word, d- I won't be when it comes out, but for right now, Wordfighter seems to be the the talk of the house. At least of, of the PAX 10.
0: But, Dave, this is the thing, though, is you have to live with yourself realizing that you're cheating.
1: I'm not cheating.
0: You're handing the phone off to an English major with—
1: I Well, I won't be able—I guess I still would be able to because I could give it to Laura. Um, more likely is that I will get my ass handed to me routinely by English majors.
0: I'm not an English major, and I can still do it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it might. Uh, this is the only thing I can pray for is that the strategy element really comes into play. Because then I might have a chance against you. Mm.
0: So which one did you really like?
1: Uh, Word Fighter looked fantastic. I've played Adam Zombie Smasher. It's a lot of fun. It's just ridiculously hard. I'm looking forward actually to Jamestown though. The uh... the vertical scrolling shoot 'em up. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that. I mean, it's it's out. I could play it right now, but it it looks cool. Of all the packs ten, I like that one. I think the most so
0: far. The what? There was actually two games that i wish we could have gotten interviews for that we had talked about is just scheduling did not work out but anti-chamber chatting with uh alexander bruce on skype a while i so want to play this game because i have he he literally on purpose is saying nothing about it nice because he says talking about the game will ruin the game ruin the game yeah so, so this is
1: the fight club of video games
0: i i guess so it's it's the one where he says he takes everything and basically turns it on its head okay and so oh i wish i, I wonder if i got his
1: well his uh, andy chat
0: at some point i'll
1: just have to record it it packs for you
0: <laughs> and vanessa's the one that's like mario but on a cube That one seems interesting, the whole spinning cube to reorientate yourself. It's a really interesting game mechanic as well. So
1: congratulations to all PAX 10 members.
0: And just to kind of put things in perspective, um, there was a game two years ago called Tag, which had to do with shooting different paints that had different characteristics to the player, like increasing speed, uh, bouncing. I,
1: I believe those mechanics were included in a later game. In fact, that team were, helped design the later game.
0: Yeah, in Didn't case, uh, in case you're not getting our uh, veiled reference, it's we're talking about Tag, which was a Pax Ten nominee. I think it was couple, three years ago, wasn't it? Two or three years ago, I can't remember off the top of my head. But that, that
1: game team helped design Portal too.
0: Yeah. So, I'd say keep your eye out on these guys because they can go far yes and please 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 support the indie developers these guys have given up jobs for their passion and i say support them so that was the pax 10 have fun at pax dave thank you andy sorry you won't be there that's fine i'll be running 10 miles i'll be good so you say i'm not gonna be there i swear on anything the
1: worst part is you could be there and i'd never know
0: If you don't dress up like Waldo, you could be there and I would never know. Right. Anyway, we need to wrap this up because we're running out of time. All right.
1: Well, thank you, everyone, for listening.
0: And we'll talk to you later.